0: You're listening to Work Tape, episode four.
1: Welcome to this edition of the Work Tape podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mitchell Palmer, with the best shirts in business as usual. Right next to me, King of Comfort, Isaac Grover. What's up? What's good? The brain's once again behind the operation here. One of the things that we touched on in our last installment of this great podcast that we got going on is artists that left us way too soon and uh, the music that they left behind um, and their primes. So people kind of uh, in the, the 20s club and all that? Yeah, exactly. Like the 20, the 27 club is a really good kind of starting point with that just because you have so many artists that fall under that category. Um, you have, you know, Janice Joplin, you have Jimi Hendrix, uh, Amy Winehouse, Cobain, just to name a few. Um, I want to say one of the original guitarists or uh, band members of the Rolling Stones also falls in that category. Really? As well, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think mm-hmm. I remember reading I, say one it was, I forgot about I, that. I'm blanking on his name right now, but I know that one of the original members of the Rolling Stones... Jim Morrison. Yeah, Jim Morrison. That's right. Yeah, Jim Morrison too. So um, when you think about a lot... But I mean, this can even apply to stuff beyond the 27 Club, especially with some of the things that have happened recently where um, musicians have just either been taken out or have taken themselves out due to um you know their kind of habits and what they might get into uh because of the fame you know some examples of that you could be you know your mac millers um oh gotcha those guys did Avicii die that way or did he die by accident Avicii unfortunately killed himself okay yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was a it was a substance thing it was right it was a substance thing but you he know was 26 right he, 26, some mid-20s yeah but um that and you know um mac miller falls in that category of course you know nipsey hustle as well juice world x you know a lot of it doesn't those... feel like miller's gone not really it's weird mm-hmm. i always think he's
0: i really think he's here still
1: <laughs> well his, his energy certainly is and the last the last two albums that he dropped uh one of them being kind of his actual f- a full-length project you know while being alive the other one was kind of brought together posthumously, um, by engineers taking recordings. Um, and in fact, they actually, it's, it's actually something where you have to listen to, or you're encouraged rather to listen to both of them together as almost like a pairing, because, you know, you have circles, which is the the posthumous release and then swimming. So the idea is swimming in circles. And so that, you know, there's kind of this overarching narrative and yeah, bringing up, bringing up Mac, that's one artist where I can say he definitely evolved. I would say in comparison to a lot of artists, um, I would say that he, his artistic revolu or evolution rather, not revolution, his artistic evolution uh, is definitely more notable than I would say many artists in this decade, just because with him starting off on kind of the, the party the party rap, you know, right. kind of making music for white suburban kids to. Oh, I can, I can relate. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying though. He was he was in the same crowd as like a Logic would be for a while. Yes, to a certain point. yes, yes, yes. And and the fact that he kind of got himself out of that by producing a lot more of his own music, becoming a lot more experimental, and then really diving deep kind of into this neo soul revival that we kind of have going on here. Um, this kind of next wave. The dude knew where to place it is your point. He kind of yeah. knew where to put what exactly. Because not every artist is good at that. Some
0: artists are really bad with the trend wagon. They're just not good at it. And it's cheesy and it shows.
1: Yeah, that's 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 your paramour there. Um back back to your paramour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and that was actually what I liked about and that's what I've been liking about some of the singles that we've covered on this on this show as well. That I think some of those artists are definitely a lot better at placing uh, those types of trends. But I mean, the thing is, is uh, with him and collaborating with Thundercat and all those great R&B jazz artists, uh, I mean, even John Mayer himself said that he was, you know, bound to be a, a live sensation basically right. with the band. And so it's just really unfortunate that he was taken out the way he did. And uh, those guys who sold him the, the fake uh, substances are actually going to be put on trial. For it a long time later, but because um, that's kind of basically what happened.
0: Well, this is definitely. Uh, I know Miller was a space that you wanted to talk about previously. You know, when we had chatted, yeah, that was someone that you really knew a lot about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. way more than I do. It's absolutely, you know, and I, I just, I think that it, it, what's really unfortunate sometimes with, for me and Mac, but also with a lot of artists, unfortunately, sometimes it does take their death for me to realize how much music was left behind. Right. Um, A notable case of that who just celebrated uh, what would have been another recent birthday is Prince Um, Prince Prince's birthday, I think, was I think just a mere few days ago. And uh, he's another great example of that as well. I think when I was kind of listening and getting into music as a whole, uh, I don't think I was really quite at the point to really understand and appreciate a lot of things that Prince left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I got older and especially after he did die, um, I gained a lot more of an appreciation in terms of some framework that he laid as well, because I think that that sound that he developed uh, the, the Minneapolis sound as you will with mm-hmm. him and uh, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, the, the all those guys, I think is something that you're hearing very much still today as well. Um, And, of course, I think Prince laid the groundwork for artists like The Weeknd to really do their thing in that way. Because, I mean, at least when I think about it, they're they're kind of... The Weeknd, I feel like, is kind of our generational's answer to somebody like Prince in terms of just the scope, the reinvention, the reinvention of themselves on every record, the kind of wide influence they have. Right, um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of uh you know an interesting. weekends when your favorites, right? Yeah, I love new favorites. okay. I've been on the weekend since the weekend. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, since he was dropping music for free because right. that was because we we had this you know, this conversation as well of in terms of the organic come up versus the the manufactured come up. Um, and I feel like the weekends was pretty much as organic as you can get, Dro- oh yeah, yeah, not someone from nepotism or anything like that yeah dropping dropping songs for free on Soundcloud, and then eventually it made the rounds in Canada and made it eventually to Drake, and the rest right. is kind of history, but you know there's something to be said about using you know utilizing blueprints and and whatnot and uh especially for independent artists, the one of the biggest things that people are always looking for is, is how my how do I need to promote my music? How how does my how is my music going to have the the widest reach? And oh, I was thinking whitest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Uh you might get, you know, there l- are a lot of white you're gonna people. have some sales figures with that. You know, you can't be turning
0: you need to have turning white them people off entirely your demographic.
1: Yeah, but you need to, have, but you need to have everybody else too, because if they, if they're not, because if they're, where are they?
0: I th- I th- that's why they're called minorities. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, but I can I mean, see I can joke like that? Yeah,
1: but I mean, if, the, it, but let's be honest with you. I mean, if it's not just white people. I mean, if you know the, if if POCs are not bumping your your thing either. POCs, POCs, yeah, POCs. Better that than NPCs, right? Well, I mean NPCs. They, they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, non persons of color. Well, n- no, no, be- better than that. I thought you said MPC, and I was like, <laughs> I thought you said the MPC as the drum oh, machine. That's funny. That's and even- I and I and I was like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. More that people goes, of color that goes hand in hand. That's synonymous, but no, no, very much better than a- NPOCs. Yes, but no, <laughs> you you need to have you need to have people you need to have the widest reach be able to bump your music because. Um. really, to be honest with you, if, if you can't get people to bump it, then it's really not going to go go anywhere. But I, I think the biggest thing with independent artists, at least from my observation, is just how many tools we have at our disposal and, and how we're able to uh, incorporate so many tools into our arsenal. And um, the way that we promote music now, I think, has to be a lot different than how it was done even just a mere half decade ago. Well, what I'd say when it comes to marketing,
0: while the, I think the tools evolve, I'm noticing, you know, everyone kind of understands this. So this is nothing new, but while the tools evolve and somewhat change, so to speak, the idea of marketing and the goals don't. Right. The goal is to get that reach. Right. That And that's been a goal for businesses since the beginning of. Right. So I, I feel like. The, the philosophy of it and trying to, you know, connecting with your audience, you know, that's like a number one, you know, there, there hasn't been any company that's gotten so big without at least first connecting with their audience. And if they become monopolized, well, you can say they started genuine and then turn into,
1: again, a monopoly. Yeah, that's, that's maybe where like your apples will come in a little
0: bit. Yeah, but they started with the whole connecting, you know? Yeah,
1: they started very humbly, you know, basically out of a few guys' garage, you know? Yep, um, so it is. And, you know, one of the biggest... And that kind of brings me to a point. One of the biggest things that you have uh, dug into quite heavily is TikTok, which also has that kind of, yes, that wide connectability and probably why it's the most download or one of the most downloaded apps currently out there and continuing, because uh, am- amongst its kind of myriad of of controversy and, you know, pr- uh, presidents trying to shut it down. And all that, it still persisted as almost kind of like the people's social media at this point. TikTok is an excellent way to get in front of people who hate you. Excellent way for that. <laughs> but sometimes you, but sometimes you <laughs> might need to. Sometimes you might need to convince them over to, to not. Yeah, you know, what? I, I I love to engage with people, but you know, people are
0: gonna think what they, what they're gonna think. But but absolutely, I would say about TikTok, especially if you do music, it really is kind of the wave of music. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't necessarily love everything on TikTok even musically but hey I mean huh. you can't hate on it just get on there and do do your thing.
1: Right. Yeah, musically. That's how it started.
0: But it is the wave, you know. A lot of people
1: don't want to admit it, especially older people. Right, exactly. That and there's that there's that kind of thing too of like the the old heads of music and kind of our current generation and how they're always seeming to go back and forth and you know um artists now I feel like it's they're trying to cater to everybody, but I feel like it really ends up catering to either the old heads or kind of the new generation. There's very few artists that I feel have been able to perfectly balance that um, in terms of their accessibility um, just because, you know, it's, it's once again, back to the same thing of um, relying on kind of what worked foundationally in, in the past and whatnot. But there are you know some interesting artistic evolutions going on, and whatnot and what's good is is that there's a lot more excitement in the billboard top one hundred than there really ever has been in at least a little while. Like I remember for a good solid one to two years, I would look at the billboard charts and just be extremely unimpressed with what I was hearing. but now, because of more of uh, independent songwriting and and whatnot. Would you say in the 2010s the
0: uh, the underground scene was really interesting, but the Billboard was just boring and vanilla?
1: Yeah, I would. I would definitely say that. Yeah, because I kind of felt that way too. De- I would definitely say that. I would say the the lesser known artists at that time, which are now kind of right. the bigger mainstream artists, are were the ones that were really doing things different and exciting and and fresh and and now they're starting to be at the point where they're on kind of the tips of everybody's tongues. Right, uh, a, a great example of that in, in the hip-hop space is like Tyler, the creator, somebody who started so far left and so outlandish in comparison <laughs> to what was going on in, in hip-hop at that time, Right, but now has... Cemented like, himself as a, a normal, a normie. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that in quotes because I don't know. <laughs> Some of those last releases, as as great as they were, still kind of carried that little bit of like unkilteredness. I think that's something that's just that a lot of people have resonated with him a lot on is that kind of that unapologetic weirdness that he'll bring to to things. Did you like, what is it called? Is it Igor or Igor? I I, don't know. Igor. Yeah. Igor. Did you like that one? It wasn't bad. I think that. okay, but a little overrated.
0: Yeah. I think that Flower
1: Boy was the better record. Okay, in comparison. Uh, yeah, but that's just because with me, I also do really like neo soul and 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 R and B, and and Flower Boy was very much the definition of a neo soul R and B record, especially with the features that were on it. Rex Orange County was on that. Uh, Frank Ocean was on that. Kaliukas, you know those. Um, like I said, the second it's a second wave, a little bit of. What would be considered neo soul music? Because, of course, the first wave was wait 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 FKA Twigs and uh, SZA and all that stuff. Yeah yeah I would yeah I mean probably SZA more than Twigs. Twigs goes sure a little more into like the experimental pop realm more than than um, SZA does. Sampha, Sampha yeah you like Sampha? Yeah Sampha's good. Yeah he can hang here. Sanfa's yeah sanfa's great i i love um there's a great song by Sanfa it's a uh, no one knows me like the piano is one of
0: the hmm. best,
1: is one of the best from him um and of course he's one of the, once again Drake put him on too right don't think about it too much you know was kind of the big the big opening of the door um but i mean i I do really like you know this new wave of of r and b music and i think that you know, there's a, probably a reason why R and B and hip hop is is at the, the top of the charts it's right so now. It's so
0: timeless, you know. R and B is absolutely timeless.
1: Yeah, but it's being kind of done in a a different way.
0: But I think that's I think that's what it needs to be. I can't stay with the same sound for more than a decade. I really yeah, well,
1: can't. it need, yeah it needs to evolve. And I think you know people talk about how rock is on the decline. Like what and but uh, I mean, we, uh, what, what what people define as rock, right? rock is almost it's so oversimplified
0: right it's oh it's terrible
1: because because it's because you have people with like narrow-minded definitions of what rock is supposed to be that's gonna
0: be a gibson guitar with humbuckers and it's gotta be distortion okay cool you know remember when rock wasn't
1: that no because there was a time when rock was not that exactly (laughs) exactly and it wasn't that long ago if you really think about it not really not relatively no no but I mean, speaking of rock, one of the biggest people actually to be making some kind of waves in mm-hmm. rock, I'm sure you've heard Willow Smith and on the rock, on the rock train, Willow Smith. Dude. Has oh,
0: oh, gotcha, gotcha. Willow, gotcha. Willow
1: Smith is, is now getting into the rock punk kind of scene. Wasn't her, right?
0: Her mom, Willow? Wasn't her... Well, mom's Jada. Jada, yeah. So wasn't Jada
1: in like a... Rock band, anyway. Uh, I'm not too. It was sh- one
0: of those. One of I'm them not I heard too- was doing like metal, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not too sure on that. I'm. I think so. I think Jada was in a. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I. I, I had a feeling the mom or something.
1: Yeah, I think Jada was in the rock. Oh, okay. Got she. It. She didn't. She definitely didn't get it from Will. If that's what you're thinking. No. No. Absolutely obviously. not. <laughs> no, with w- Will's Smith so getting so jiggy with it. <laughs> so what's going down with Willow? Well, she's she's really transitioned into more of like the rock punk kind of scene and. She's doing it. She's almost reminds me of so guitar rock. Yeah, yeah, guitar driven rock. She's bringing gotcha. like guitar driven rock, but she's got her own kind of vocal inflection, which okay, um, which is really cool because she started off with, of course, whip my hair back and forth, which I don't. I I, I can really go without hearing that song probably ever again. Uh, I have to bring it up for the purposes of this because it provides context, but. <laughs> uh i i can really hard pass on that but um i mean I it was a think, product, product i don't of its think time. anyone
0: took it seriously and the people who took it seriously are not to be taken seriously
1: no it's a product of its time i can understand like it reminds me like a lot of middle school like i'm just like mm-hmm, no like it's that's 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 middle school oh my gosh that's that's some that's that middle school music that's you know it's
0: one of whip is one of my least is one of my most hated terms in pop music i think it's one of the worst terms you don't
1: like the term whip in it's music. so cheesy is it well? But why? But, but but why? But why is it is it cheesy? Because it's played out. Played out. Okay. All right.
0: I mean, and you know, we blacks are a little sensitive with. That well,
1: word. yeah, that's what I was about ready to. Do. I was about ready to think that. Well, maybe there's a there's a some symb- there's a symbolic over meaning to this that, you know, I, I'm surprised. But, but but you know what? It might be something where it's like reclaiming the reclaiming the word sure okay it's um, that's Rec- pretty uh, re- that's pretty deep even i didn't think about re- that. Re- but i mean there hip-hop has had that reputation of of no it's it's it's
0: it is um it is an overused trope yeah in pop music and it's so mm.
1: so unbelievably bad well, do you remember do you remember that, that those series of the dance songs, man? Ugh. We haven't gotten one in a long time, which thank God for Wait, that. Wait, you mean
0: like the year 2012 like when everything was yeah, like a, a, well, but, but a danthem? I'm
1: going to call danthams, them danthems. <laughs> there you go. That's a that's a terminology. That should be a term. Coin. We we we've coined <laughs> we coined that. We have coined danthem. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about? I'm I'm talking about Watch Me Whip Watch Me Nay Nay. <laughs> oh, like, oh, it's so bad. Yeah, I, I'm I'm talking about the the um, oh. all those challenge songs too, where they got a juju on that beat, like those types of songs, where it's it's the the trap instrumental, but then it's thrown with just some very basic instructions. And I mean, in a way, I have to, I guess, from a business perspective, I have to give them a little bit of credit because I felt like
0: because the hook is catchy.
1: No, I think they were actually kind of ahead of the curve with that whole challenge thing, especially with how TikTok, you know, utilizes challenge. Yeah, it challenge. was a hook that was catchy, even if I hated it, obviously right.
0: everyone loved it. So from right. a marketing
1: standpoint, they only needed the 30 seconds and then they got a bag and that's why you've never heard of any of these artists. And some of the oh, uh, gotcha. and some of the artists names like are just so ridiculous that I'm like, I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to Give that validation, but no. For for Willow to start in that space, kind of similarly to, uh, albeit on a much smaller scale, kind of similar to a, a Justin Bieber in that way, kind of making teen focused music, and now is coming out as kind of, as bringing back you know guitar driven rock, like real guitar driven rock. Um, I think is once again another interesting evolution, and whether she did get get it from Jada. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. Right. Um, You know, and speaking of, you know, uh, Pac's birthday, Tupac's birthday was a few days ago. And of course there's, you know, the relationship of Pac and Jada. Um, But I like the fact that, you know, she's kind of evolving as well and actually bringing some difference in, in rock. She's almost doing kind of what Kid Cudi tried to do on speeding bullet to heaven, but she's doing it a lot better. Than what he did on. You Sweden know what's Bowl funny. Earth. I'm not saying you. But they hate on him quite a bit. And I'm like you know what. I kind of like. I like his spirit. You know he's trying to do. Oh, who Cuddy? Yeah. I uh, mean. Do, do, do you really think that many people hate on Cuddy though? Because yeah, at they least. Hate, they hate on. They hate on him trying to do that alternative. Well, stuff. Oh sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure. He, that's the. That's the butt of a lot of memes. I and know. Jokes.
0: I know. But I feel yeah. like they almost discredit his art. Or his artistry when they do that. And I'm like you know what. I mean. I understand it, you know, when you hate something, you hate something. But I'm still like, dude,
1: yeah, it was a solid effort. It wasn't like the effort was bad, and I think that it wasn't he, the worst. No, and he had his he had his heart in the right place. I just think that's, that, that's
0: kind of where I'm getting at. Yeah,
1: yeah, he had his heart in the right place, but I I just think that the songwriting and and maybe just the structure of the melodies could have left a little bit to be desired, and I think that's kind of the thing that's kind of like where willow comes in i feel like she has a little more it's a little more melodic i
0: felt like kid even though he may have missed the mark so to speak i think you have to miss the mark in order to be so innovative i really oh, definitely because radiohead have also missed the mark before dare i say it and i feel like kid is one of those guys
1: yeah and it, they hit so well that you forget about some of the the misfires because exactly. Because, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, the popular stance is amongst radio King of the Limbs didn't seem like that well received. No, not re- not relatively. But, but, you know, it's funny. King of the Limbs is still better than a lot of other people's best works. Well, true. And the fact that they kind of went electronic, I have to give them credit for that. Yeah. Even, though, even though, to me, that felt very similar to almost like Dom York and bass and drums yeah. a little bit. yeah I felt like the... the in a similar way of Coldplay with Ghost Stories, I feel like that was kind of King of the Limbs a little bit. But also Moonshape Pool, because Moonshape Pool emotionally had the same, similar hits yeah. as um, Ghost Stories. Um, albeit, I, I think that um, Radiohead went even completely more relaxed even than than Coldplay did. And Coldplay never had a song like Burn the Witch on the album either, which... No, they didn't. No, because that was, that was the only thing about Moonshape that was a little interesting. It's like you have this very like low key kind of down tempo, kind of sad record. But then your opening track is Burn the Witch, which sounds like it needs to be in a movie of some sort. Right. And of course, that kind of goes down to the fact that uh, their guitarist, Johnny Greenwood, um, does a bunch of film scoring. Outside of Radiohead, he's a, a big film score. Their,
0: their sound has uh had had developed well into a theatrical type sound. Yeah. We hear that in OK Computer, but we don't need to talk about it. We can do it another time.
1: Well, because that's a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, but
0: you're elaborating on Willow.
1: Yeah. In the sense that, you know, she kind of is crafting the lane a little bit there. And it will be interesting to see kind of what comes of that. Um, because actually to be honest with you, um, That one of the last Olivia Rodrigo tracks, "Good for You," also has more of a rock, a traditionally quote unquote, yes, traditionally, traditionally alt rock. Oh, very much so. Yeah, it's it's almost like her take on No Doubt. It seems like at times, but it's still interesting to see that. Who knows? Maybe maybe the evolution of rock music is going to be female fronted. I prefer Olivia's voice over Gwen's by a long shot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing... Okay, not to completely cra- crap on. I know they
0: always talk about don't pin woman against woman. I pin men against men all the time. Exactly. So don't get upset with it. No, exactly. So chill. It's
1: chill. All is fair here. But um, no, with, with, with Glenn Stefani, the one thing you can't take away from her is like the distinctiveness of well, her the voice. Per- the persona. Yeah, exactly. A but lot of it's more of the feel. This is why people like to hate
0: on... Front men, and when I say front men, obviously front women are included as well, Sure, they want to hate on the front person of the band because that's why they got popular in the first place. Whether you love or hate a band, it's usually based on a singer. Right. Typically. Yes. Not all the time, but typically. Yes. Or you could be, oh, I love this band, but I cannot stand the front
1: person. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I feel like the Smiths would be a great category of that. Yes. Because
0: You yeah, could talk about how annoying he is, but- but it's not the Smiths without Morrissey.
1: It's really not. It's not. not. And it's I, really not. Ugh. No, I, I, st- I still think that the Smiths really need to get more of their flowers in terms of what they've done for the new wave and alt-rock movements too. Johnny Marr and Andy Rourke are my favorite
0: members anyway.
1: But really, it would not be the Smiths without Morrissey. I noticed how both of your favorite guitarists are Johnny Marr and um, Buckland.
0: Buckland's phrasing is so good. I know he's a lot like The Edge where he's more simplistic. Yeah. But he actually does some pretty intricate stuff. Definitely. He's a good pop rock guitarist. Definitely. He's perfect for that. Yeah. Because you don't want to put him in a metal band, but I wouldn't put a metal guitarist in a pop band. Exactly. So
1: they're just different things. No, definitely. And I I feel like it's tastefully done.
0: I'm not big on uh, lead guitarists typically. I'm usually uh, bigger on rhythm. But what I like about Johnny Marr is that he mixes the lead with the rhythm a lot. Um, And then Terry Cass from Chicago, but no one talks about Terry anymore.
1: But those are those tend to be my favorite types of guitarists. Absolutely, because I mean, I feel like they they kind of added a lot with their playing style and and whatnot. And and a lot of times it's their playing style which will kind of cement the sound in mm-hmm. comparison. Because there's no doubt, <laughs> yeah. With I did on purpose. Yeah, uh, but there's but you know you can't deny. The difference. Speaking on Terry Kath, you can't deny the difference of when he fronted Chicago versus when he died, and they went completely into the pop realm. Which that, which that's a in terms of uh, producers, which I think we'll have to get on that at some point too, because we can we can talk so much just how a producer will affect the sound. And I love Peter when well,
0: Terry and Robert were both,
1: you know, taking mm-hmm.
0: turns leading, but Peter just kind of doing it on his own just sounded bad <laughs> it made them a lot of money though but, but that's <laughs> what
1: people like it made them so much money it's what people like they <laughs> people
0: love ballads i'm just not one of those people that loves them
1: i mean some of those songs are all right but i i think what yeah, really they're all right they,
0: they don't hold a candle to
1: no it's not going to be a saturday in the park or a beginnings or anybody know what time it is like no it's those, those they were past their 25 experienced or experienced days yeah 20 25 <laughs> or six to four which Green Day shamelessly ripped off that riff of twenty five or six to four. Yeah,
0: I know. On that, I know. On that, bra- on that, <laughs> on
1: that brain stew. <laughs> the fact that they didn't get like sued into oblivion for it, I have no idea. I guess you can't trademark a chord progression. So the same goes for Billy. Is his voice? Yeah. Uh,
0: love him or hate him, Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah, that's Green Day sound. It's Billy's voice. It's just.
1: Well, yeah, and those and those guitar lines as simp- as kind of simple and straightforward as it is it Mm -hmm. kind of works um actually mike durnt is not a bad bassist at all i think that he's all right i mean i I think that he gets a a lot of hate he's he's
0: an alt-rock bassist and that's it it is what it is and i can't i feel like a lot of pick a lot of pick yeah well you know i love the pick i actually love the pick The, the problem i have i think with it's pop punk yeah what are you expecting exactly. Right. So I don't really <laughs> that's actually one reason why I don't really have any favorite bassist in punk unless they really stick out. Yeah. And Mike Dirt to me doesn't really stick out.
1: No. He's he's it's serviceable. It gets the job done.
0: I give him leeway when they when they are the lead singer too. Yeah. Like uh what's his name? Um Mike Herrera from uh, MXPX. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stuff like that when they're also playing and singing, I give him a little bit more like, "Oh, great, you know, but yeah. If they're kind of not really leading the band, um, like Blink, you know? Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That was fun. And I also really love the bass lines, too. Um, Are you talking about Mark from from Blink? Yeah. Hoppus. I like Hoppus. But w- what did he do? He he does a lot of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he did a fair amount of the vocals. I mean, when it wasn't Tom. They're not technical bassists. Oh, no. No, it's about, I, I mean... Not to hate on pop punk as a genre, but it's I love pop punk. So, Uh, yeah, there's no hate here. Yeah, but it's, it's, but if you look at it musically, it's very, very straightforward. So, if you're expecting, you know, (laughs) if you're expecting these crazy bass lines, then it's it's just not gonna happen. I, uh, I
0: criticize a lot of music for not having enough bass work, but when it comes to pop punk, all is fair.
1: Right, because it's the it's, drummer
0: has to be good, though.
1: Yeah, Trey Cool. If you don't sound like Travis Barker,
0: I ain't listening to you. <laughs> yeah, so
1: so Trey Cool tried, but <laughs> Trey Cool tried, but I mean, now now that's not now now no, no, that's not to that's to say anything bad on Trey because Trey can smoke me on the drums all day long. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, you're right. Travis Barker did kind of have that. He set that watermark. He, he that, said it. That bench. That benchmark. Probably one of the better drummers, I would say, in general.
0: I would put him in a
1: lot of, like, the top list for drummers in popular music. Yeah, right. I mean, some of my top drummers just generally would be, like, John Bonham or mm-hmm. Neil Peart. Um, I mean, Neil Peart is, is literally, at times, a human metronome. <laughs> right. Um But, I mean, John Bonham, just for some of those grooves, like, Fool in the Rain, that groove is fantastic. Um, although... Zeppelin's later stuff was like not nearly as good as their earlier stuff was. Like a lot of bands. Yeah, that groove was still fantastic. And no, Barker's definitely. I mean, he's crossed over because people have used his drumming abilities outside of Blink. There was that period of time where they would throw him on. They would rock remix hip hop music, and they'd throw Travis Barker doing the drums on it instead of the original drum beat. There's a there's a Soldier Boy. I'm serious there is a version of crank that I know know. there's a version of crank that soldier boy with Travis Barker on the drums which I'm like what is going on what defines
0: a a musician or singer good for what they are like a good one yeah is when they transcend all those genres and people just say they're really good at that exactly so Travis is a good drummer because he transcends the pop punk genre and you could pit him against almost any other drummer and any other drummer would say he's good Oh, yeah, most definitely,
1: but yeah, I mean there there is a lot in terms of like the distinctness, especially when it comes circling back to like front men and front women. There's a lot right. A lot of people will give you points for distinctiveness and for feel more than technical ability, and that's kind of where I feel like you have the the conversation of Gwen Stefani and the fact that right the feel is great, the the distinctiveness of her voice and the fact that you know exactly who it is when she's singing also gave her a lot of points. Technically, no, not a not a freaking chance. She has
0: the personality no. to put her on the map.
1: Right. Which is why That's she was why. one of, right. Which was why <laughs> when she went solo from No Doubt, she became one of the biggest artists in the world at that time. That right. that That album was insane in terms of how much it was able to sell, but- and I, I I really did expect like Haley Williams to do the same, but it just didn't really happen. Well, she's she's kind of um she's doing it, but she's a little bit more underground in her approach. Well, the biggest song outside of a lot of Paramore stuff that I know her from, of course, is Airplanes on Bob with that hook. Like that was probably one of the biggest. But she did release an album last year. You knew that, right?
0: Uh, no, I didn't. No, it's funny. I. I I'm embarrassed to say I forgot the name, but I remember "Simmer." <laughs> "Simmer" was one of her lead singles. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I forgot about it. <laughs> that's cool. No, but actually, I like Haley. I actually really like her. I I crap on After Laughter, and I and I will continue to crap on it. It's a terrible album, but she is one of the best front people in music. Definitely, you got an ego. I'm sorry, you got an ego, but yeah, but your voice is there, and you have
1: a gift. But I mean, I, I feel like with. Her, she was on a lot of features too. Like she, she was kind of like transcending a bit outside, kind of what people were used to from her because she was on a lot of features. That, 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 that's what Chris Martin did too. You know, a little bit. They all do that a little bit. But I felt like Chris, Chris was very few with his features. Like he was Kanye. On, he
0: was with Kanye. Right? He was with um, right. Chainsmokers.
1: Oh y- yeah. Even though they, even though they technically, <laughs> yeah. Even though they technically. Cl- even though they technically classified that as a Chainsmokers and Coldplay song, which I kind of hear it because you do because hold on a minute. Let's talk about this because you do hear Johnny's guitar lines in there. You hear, okay, you hear Johnny's yeah. guitar lines. Okay, the, the one that they sh- the one that they shafted on that is Will. Honestly, they, they shafted him hard on that song. Cause you hear, you hear, oh yeah, they always they always do to the drummer. They always yeah, do it. And, and pop. You, yeah, because you hear, because <laughs> you hear Johnny's guitar that's on it, which okay. not I would say definitely not one of his best lines, but it it did the job. You hear you hear Guy on the bass a little bit, but Guy is just like Mike Dert.
0: I actually really love his bass lines in Rush of Blood and X and Y. Like he he actually does a lot of really good bass lines in there uh, in Parachutes. Yeah. But he has turned into another yeah, like a pop punk bassist.
1: Really, even on tracks like "Adventure," where there's a little more funk and a little more. It's So everyone's
0: who hasn't done this? The- <laughs> Mark Stormer, Mark Stormer for the Killers and the Man. Dun, 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 dun. Like they just they just do the exact. Same. It's weird because Paul McCartney's different because Paul McCartney is one of the lead. Uh, singers and the lead writers in the beatles so right. like he's not just a bassist right you know and the fact that he also played piano and everyone knew that he played other instruments right yeah that's different but when you're not the beatles and you're not paul mccartney <laughs> and you're just like you know what i mean you're just mm. you're just kind of there yeah I, no i i feel it and that's
1: probably and why they do
0: that they're like oh well he's such an underrated bassist Whoa, whoa, whoa hold on Right, wait, who is who, an underrated guy? So, so they do things like that. So Paul, John Paul Jones is good. Oh, JPJ, yeah. He's good. Yeah. But guess what? He's not underrated. He just... Roger Waters! I was just thinking about this the other day. Roger yeah. Waters doesn't do anything that interesting. No. Nothing. Not really. Even, like, the wall is probably the most famous Roger Waters baseline. Okay, money. Maybe money. money. Maybe money. money. Money's cool because yeah. of that 5'4". But it's... It's so pentatonic. He doesn't really do anything. He yeah, doesn't do much with the blue
1: notes. He's not really But crazy. the secret weapon of Pink Floyd is David Gilmore, though.
0: Yeah. Well, we all know that. That's fine. That's good because David Dave is not the most technical guitarist, but he
1: he's not just like it's, he's taste, not just it's there. tasteful though. Yeah, he's not just there. Comfortably numb is a great guitar line. You know,
0: that's those are, you know. Yeah, but I hate I hate how they they just pick these bands. Now, actually, Chris Novoselic, which I'm probably going to commit that sin here that I'm kind of complaining about. Yeah, Chris Novoselic of Nirvana is actually a more technical bassist than the bassist that I'm complaining about right now. He's more technical, and if you listen to Nirvana basslines, he actually knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he plays only pentatonically, but he does it very well. Mm-hmm. But when you go to bands like again, like Pink Floyd, Roger Waters is not really doing anything that interesting, and right, he got he got you know they they get they get lucky. Now his voice when they start singing. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, cool, you know, it's it not just one trick sense. pony, yeah. but he's not doing anything interesting. Now Andy Rourke from the Smiths people sleep on him because they don't really understanding what he's doing in that rhythm section to hold it down. If you listen to an Andy Work baseline, you're gonna hear some stuff that's gonna
1: take some practicing. Oh yeah. If you actually listen to the Smiths. No 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 doubt. There's some there's some great bass lines in, in Smith's records, but Back to um, Chris Novoselic. I mean, that's
0: in. We're talking about Coldplay, but Guy Berryman is basically why I I got on that rant. I like him, and I think the first three albums of Coldplay really showcase what he does. And he had a new spotlight with Magic. Yeah, but he's not. He is turned into such a. Oh, well, Marty Part of Coldplay. So cool, great. You (laughs) know, he's just. He's
1: just honestly. (sighs) Well, because I mean, even on that new single, I was kind of like, I was I. That new single, because of that Max Martin production, I kind of was almost looking for. I, no, I'm serious in a way, and especially because it reminded me so much of the Milo era. I was, ex- right. I was expecting something from Guy. Actually, I was expecting, I was expecting kind of. Maybe a little difference in in baseline, but really the Mm-mm. the highlights of that were kind of Johnny May, and, Johnny and maybe Will maybe
0: major minus
1: major minus yeah maybe yeah
0: major minus had some cool stuff, but there well that's just such an interesting song. Even Adam Clayton from U two, because people crap on U two for the simplicity, but Adam Clayton was such necessity. If you listen to U 2s baselines, oh yeah, yeah, and the Name of Love, you know all that, you know they're nothing really that crazy. But if you listen to the first, second, third
1: album, like yeah. Adam is a necessity for you two. Well, it was just it goes back to their kind of general uh chemistry, just because with obviously the, the highlight of that band is New Year's Day. Yeah. Two hearts beat is one. Yeah, exactly. I mean the, the big the big players of that band are still like Bono and the edge, really, are kind yeah. of like just because well Bono just with that voice is, is That's just the only reason why he's popular is because of his voice, but Yeah. And then The Edge, just because everybody literally copied. Texture. He's a texture guitarist. Yeah, everybody copied his texture. Yeah. But I listen to like Alton pop rock guitarists, and I'm like, they bite so unapologetically from The Edge. And I'm like- like, the 1975? Or I was going to say Walk the Moon with that. Walk the Moon is, oh. (laughs) I I told you, I listened to to Shut Up and Dance, and I'm like, y'all- you, you uh-uh. rip, I'm like y'all. You rip you know, from streets so, have no name. So, so let's get let's 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 do this because streets be really cool. have no name stealing. So.
0: We all know that the Killers and Coldplay, two of the biggest bands of the yachts, right? Two of the oh, biggest bands no of the question. aughts. Before Kings of Leon got that big. They were part of it, but they they got a little bit big later. And then you'd throw probably Dragons in there yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. But but the, but Dragons are like 21 Pilots. They are the 2010s. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. So Killers and Coldplay. So Coldplay, you know, really, you know, they, they took that U2 sound and popularized it. Radiohead got big, but they stayed respectable. Right. But, you know, people still respect them. Coldplay and Killers, most people are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we don't respect you. Either, <laughs> either, you love them or you hate them. You know, so yeah, definitely. So with, with Killers and Coldplay, they took all their influences from the '80s. So you know, Killers love Queen, Bruce Springsteen. They love that Heartland rock. Yeah. the Killers love ballads, which is why they kind of
1: they lost me. Well, the Cars too. Good the, the, God, the Cars, the they love cars. the Cars. Yeah, they love a lot of
0: New Wave. They hate the Nirvana sound. Right, Coldplay never did the Nirvana sound, but they love you know they love Radiohead and they love U2. So Jeff Buckley. Oh yeah, yeah, good example. So with with the bands that got big, typically ripped, they took the sound from Coldplay and the Killers. But the problem with more so the Killers and Coldplay, because with Coldplay I'm going to leave them to the side, but with the Killers, they they threw back so heavily, and they almost sounded exactly like their influences. When you got bands like Walk the Moon. They were like a mesh of Coldplay and the killers, but the part of the killers were they where the killers sounded like other bands. So now you got bands like Walk the Moon and in 1975, they're doing this stuff and, and it's just it's cheesy as heck. It's like, hey, this is our interpretation of this time. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. It's just an original.
1: Yeah, and I kind of gave 75 a little bit of a pass, um, like specifically on that first record, just because they were a new band, like, and of course with a debut record. I feel like you do wear the influences pretty heavily on your sleeve a bit. They're forgettable. I'm yeah. Sorry.
0: The nineteen seventy five are, are forgettable <laughs> and they were they were hot at the time. And people will remember the name just because they got like really hot during the twenty tens, but when a band totally rips a band, especially like 20 or 30 years prior, when they just try to rip from like 30-year-old influences, 10 years from now, no one's going to
1: remember you. Right. People will remember Coldplay. Even if they hate them, they'll remember them. Oh, yeah. They will be remembered. Sure, because a lot of those songs that were written, I mean, a lot of Coldplay fans say that really the, the quote-unquote golden age of the band mm-hmm. was from Parachutes to Viva and that everything after Viva was basically a, a downhill a downhill trajectory, which based on what I'm hearing on this new record, they might turn the corner on that. I think the 2010s Coldplay is unfortunately forgettable. But there are there are a few standouts, like I would say, even in, in the 2010s. Like people really give Milo Xylodo a lot of hate. And I feel like there's actually some stuff on it. That's pretty solid. I think "Up in Flames" is not bad. "Teardrops of Waterfall" is all right. I mean, very pop, of course, but I don't care if it's pop. Just do it well. Yeah, that's teard- the. Problem. "Teardrops of Waterfall" is catchy. It has a has a great Johnny guitar line on that. I like "Myung but I only like it. I actually really love
0: Ghost Stories, but Ghost Stories is probably one of those albums that a lot of people say that they don't like. So I understand people don't like it. I just love it because it's dark and depressing. Listening to Ghost Stories reminded me of Parachutes. Oh, definitely. Parachutes was not about uppityness and all that. It was somber. It felt like cafe music.
1: Yeah. Or like rainy day music. A
0: college cafe. Pretty much. Milo's I loaded not My Lugs I loaded. Definitely not Milo's no, I loaded. No, Milo's I loaded. No, no, they're no. trying to be a, a, a club band. No. Um what was it? It uh was Ghost Stories fit
1: that feel. Definitely. I mean I, there's some tracks on Ghost Stories I really like. Um obviously the the one exception of that is is Sky Full of Stars is the outlier on that album. I love that track. I, I like it too. Yeah. Speaking of Avicii, you know, that's their, course, yeah. their collaboration. I, I like it too. A lot of people hate it on that track. I like it. I thought it was I thought it was a good dance anthem for people i thought i thought chris sounded good with Avicii's production um there's a great track that's off of Avicii's posthumous record uh called heaven with chris martin on it which also has a great so now
0: track. you know Coldplay are is uh one of work
1: tate's favorite bands uh, if you haven't heard already and all yeah. the references of these episodes so
0: Coldplay is one of them <laughs> so
1: far we've talked Radiohead's many, many one many times of them. about radio because <laughs> exactly. we're pitchfork right we're pitchfork light <laughs> but uh yeah, no, so I think a lot of it comes down to distinctiveness. That's the thing I can I can say about Chris too, is actually he has a distinctive voice, whether you like it or not. Some people say that his range is a bit limited for being a rock singer, well, which it is limited, but it you gotta make it work. Yeah, he does, and he does. He it's... uses he uses every and and of course, that that falsetto, that, that falsetto is probably contributed to most of his earnings. I'd it's say. not
0: enough to criticize something. You have to explain why something is distasteful or tasteful.
1: Right. I think Chris has a lot of soul in his singing, which I think is kind of the reason why I gravitated towards it, why I can listen to Coldplay for a long period of time. As much as we as much as we love Radiohead, I'm not sure if I could listen to like, an hour and a half straight of Fahmjord.
0: So first of all, Coldplay did take, you know, we totally hear Coldplay's Radiohead influence. That's Uh obvious, especially in Rush of Blood. Yeah, well- That one sounds like Rush of Blood. Yeah, sure. The difference between Coldplay and Radiohead, first of all, they're similar in the sense that they do kind of reinvent themselves. I think Radiohead does it better than Coldplay. Sometimes when Coldplay reinvent themselves, so to speak, right? I think sometimes they miss the mark a little bit more. With Radiohead, it feels like, oh, wow. Yeah, they've always sounded like Pablo Honey. Oh yeah, they've always sounded like okay, computer. Oh yeah, they've always sounded like the Benz. When that's not true, when the previously they sounded different, but
1: now like they kind of convince you each album that they've always sounded like that current album, even though no Radiohead fan recently talks about Pablo Honey in very high regard. No, they don't. But when they did, <laughs> but when they did that sound, but nobody talks about that album. Fine for, for really a lot of even a lot of hardcore Radiohead. Oh fans, my gosh, they, I I know people who love Pablo Honey. What? Well, I'm sure you do, but I'm just saying generally they really count The Bends and on like sure. as I'll as their yeah. the thing. They count The Bends as like the album that kind of turned the corner a little bit of The Bends is oh, The, bends has, a lot, the yeah. bends has a lot of really good guitar work on it um from
0: uh, Johnny Greenwood. The Bends is like the Oasis sound and Blur, Oasis and Blur. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And Coldplay took a lot from that sound. Well, cuz they're all British. Oh, it's it's they're, all, they're,
1: they're all British. It's Brit pop. That's exactly what. it okay, is. Okay, but
0: just because it's from Great Britain doesn't mean they do that. I
1: mean, it's UK well, drill, I, and we can talk about that, <laughs> right? Well, just the image in my head now of instead of this Brit pop sound, if if the Gallagher's tried to do something over a dr- over a drill, over a drill beat that's 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 a combination. So just
0: because they're from the same they, same country you know, doesn't mean
1: they're gonna sound
0: the that same. That reminds me of that video.
1: That reminds me of that video that uh, there's a video of somebody putting Adele "Hello" over a drill beat, and it kind of goes. It it actually, I swear to you, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pull it up after we're 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 finished recording here. We're gonna have to get the software for that so we can do that. Yeah, but <laughs> but it kind but it kind of works. Like unironically, it it, it kind of. I don't want to say it slaps, but honestly, I think people would like it okay. I mean, is it? Sure. It's, but it's, I think it's because it's such a drastic contrast of like Adele being this somber, sad boy, sad girl music. Well, it's
0: a, it's a comedic tool. Yeah. Contrast.
1: And then this drill beat, which is just, yeah, like you're trying
0: to, (laughs) you know, hype something or whatever. And then, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like doing it to like a Coldplay track.
1: Which I'm sure, if you look hard enough, I'm sure there is one. I'm sure. I'm sure we're gonna get Chris over a drill beat. I'm sure. But I'm but
0: sure of it. I think Radiohead have always been better at reinvention, and Coldplay have. But Coldplay have sometimes really, really hit it, and I think they I obviously that, did it the best during the first four LPs. Yeah, I think they did a good job with Milo No, oh my gosh, Mylo Xyloto, they did it, but I, I. I think their other four did sound more. Genuine. I think I've almost felt like Zaloto was um, okay, we just did Viva La Vida. Yeah. How can we further this and try to yeah. change it a little bit but stay kind of like that universal Viva La Vida kind of type feel? They and want they wanted to keep their momentum going because I thought Ghost Stories was much better.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've been liking Ghost Stories more than I've been hearing it. Right. And then of course you have Headful of Dreams, which to me was kind of Milo, but done a little bit less.
0: You know why Ghost Stories is so good? Because it feels like a uniform, like a like an album.
1: Yeah, it's very consistent. It fits.
0: It feels like mm-hmm. an album. Oh, definitely. And a lot of people, when, when, when they rate albums, I don't think a lot of reviewers, not all of them, I think, you know, we could talk about Andy Fantineau. <laughs> Hopefully he's listening to us, right? That'd be um, fantastic. But not a lot of reviewers or people who really even consider themselves reviewers don't really they don't judge the album based on the album what they do is like oh well i like these songs a lot so good album no right an album's an album i mean by that logic then (laughs) you can just put any songs together and then call that an album well but and some people you can't do that i think i think a good album has to have some sort of uniformity that that
1: stitches it together well, that's kind of where the that's kind of where the like the sequencing comes from. There's a lot that comes into the art form of sequencing and properly laying out the tracks for an album to where it feels cohesive, even if you do diverge a little bit and even if there isn't like a super consistent sound and you do decide on some tracks to go in one direction, you can at least you know have that cohesiveness of listening to it. And, and I do think well, execution, it's not about each song sounding the same, Yeah, but the songs need to have
0: some common theme, what be it instrumentally or, or lyrically they need to have a common thread, which sews them together mm-hmm. and they have to have, they need to convey that message in that way, whatever, whatever it is. I'm being vague on purpose because I can't really tell you what the perfect album is. And I actually don't think the perfect album exists, but...
1: You don't really think a perfect album exists? Even in comparison I think in
0: theory it does, but it's always going to be subjective.
1: True. Let's put it that way, you know? Let's be honest. True. So
0: Sgt. Pepper's is considered... Is it Lonely Hearts Club? Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah, so that one is considered by many people. Like, you talk to the average person. Yeah. Almost everyone would put that in their top three. Oh, sure. Absolutely. No question. And I'm not a Beatles nerd, you know? No, neither but am I. I respect him and I've listened to the album and I yeah a lot of people would say oh it's the number one album. But then there will be a lot of other people who I would also say have really good opinions and they're actually very intelligent and very smart. But they'd also say no, I disagree. Yeah. So I feel like they get to a point where that perfect album can also be considered imperfect. Like not everyone's gonna love that album. Right. Some people say okay computer's the best album of all time. Mm-hmm literally some people say okay computer is the best album of all time yeah i like it but guess what you know how i feel about that album i feel like it has some
1: spots where it's like a little filler on it isn't there (laughs) a little bit i think so but i think think there's a little bit of filler but that's what i'm saying but i mean you have these powerhouse songs like you know your paranoid androids karma police you know all those things um no surprises which i think is one of the radiohead songs that i go back to. so let's use one of my favorite albums of all time
0: what never mind Okay. I don't think it's a perfect album. No. No, it's not. No, I don't think so either. And I think that is my favorite. Well, Catch a Fire by the Whalers is my favorite, is my, probably my favorite classic album because my favorite album no one knows about. So we're going to leave that out. But I wouldn't consider, I wouldn't consider Catch a Fire or Nevermind to be perfect albums. Yeah. So I really don't think a perfect album
1: exists. So it doesn't, so it just, it doesn't. It's like even if you have something that's universally. Acclaimed. This is it by the strokes. One of my favorite bands of all
0: time. Absolutely. Like they are. Yeah. This is it. Has filler. Yeah, for sure. And everyone's like, oh, it's the best album of all time. Or from the aughts, right? From 2001, from the zero zeros. Dude, that album is not perfect no it has some parts it's really
1: solid but it's not perfect no
0: right and that's why i'm saying it's almost like you can have the there's no such thing as a perfect album you can only have albums that are near perfection but i don't really have any tens i really only have albums that are nine eight nine nine but i've never yeah i feel like they're not
1: really yeah there's i mean in theory yeah 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 because i mean even if i come out and say that I think that What's Going On is the best album of all time. Which is a great flipping album. Of course, Rolling Stone rated it as their number one album. Yeah. Ever, out of 500, they rated that as the number one but album. But is it perfect? No, absolutely that's not. That's kind of
0: what I'm saying. It doesn't mean it's bad, it's just not perfect. So absolutely not. That's why I don't use terms like perfect. I always say there's, this is near perfection or this is the least. Yeah. So the best albums, I would say for me, are nines.
1: Yeah. For me, yeah, me me as well, Because just because there's sometimes a track or two that I find myself, you know, skipping and whatnot. And, you know, to me, anyway, if someone were to truly hit a quote-unquote perfect album, it would be something that you don't skip. Like, even even if you've heard it numerous times, you don't skip it. And that's kind of where, like, that will come in. Because as much as I love an album like Kendrick's to Pimp a Butterfly, there's tracks that I'm going to skip on that. Sure. Um as much as I I love Thriller by Michael Jackson, that is widely considered also one of oh, the oh, best. I know it's like
0: the wa- best selling, but.
1: but... Yeah, it's yes, it's the greatest selling album of all time. It still is. But that kind of goes back to the whole idea of sequencing, though, because with Thriller, there was kind of a consistent sound, but to me, it almost felt like here we have all of these great singles. Let's just put them all in one album for people to listen to. Because because that because, like there wasn't a narrative or a, a cohesiveness in that and that right. sense of things. Right. It was just the songs were really, really good. So you had to So you so that's you no, know,
0: I think that can hurt an album. When you have every song, that uppity poppy or single vibe. Yeah. I think that ruins it i think that's a point it's still subjective i think the the difference between a good reviewer and a bad reviewer is one that reviews better and one that reviews worse yeah but there's no perfect reviewer no definitely not. and there are people out there who actually rate their albums tens. like oh this is perfect pitchfork dude they'll be like oh yeah that's a 10.0 and i'm
1: like yeah it's
0: a 9.9
1: <laughs> yeah or you you have to question you know what what they were on when they rate those albums 10 out of 10 because then you listen to it and you're like, w- w- what were you listening to exactly? But that's what I'm saying. It's still subjective. Because, I mean, like, there's albums that they've rated a 10 that I listen to and I can't even get through it because I'm like, no, right. this, is, this is ridiculous. And this is
0: why everyone needs to do the research. I mean, if someone were to hear my reviews, which I'm very, you know, I am going to be very
1: direct about it. Like, yeah, this is what I believe. But, I mean, you might love it and I hate it. Is it just me or do a lot of music outlets... A pitchfork rolling stone when they mm-hmm. have you um metacritic whatever is it just me or do a lot of people tend to give extra points for quote-unquote experimentation and kind of things that are not traditionally the norm okay so so just purely
0: for experimentation because there's a difference between experimenting just for the sake of it and then just like oh it just sounds different so we're just going to give it a good rating just because it simply sounds different
1: yeah but I but I think that they but I think both of those will factor into to reviews that I've seen where I where I listen to the album and I'm like, hmm, I'm not quite getting right. what was all about this, But then, you know, there's this thing of like it's it's death grips and they're gonna be super experimental and hip hop. so we're gonna give them we're gonna give them points they just do that. yeah, they do that. We're gonna give them points just for being experimental and and not being quote unquote, mainstream. So when I rate something, experimentation is part of it. It's actually kind of a
0: necessity, usually. But I've heard stuff that's experimental that I hate. Oh, of course. And if I think it sounds bad, and of course, one man's trash is another person's man's treasure, treasure. So yeah. there will always be someone that likes something or dislikes something. You can't be... There's no such thing as being completely universal. No. Even people hate God. So like at the end of the day, someone's going to like you, someone's going to hate you. Yeah. But I think it's bad practice to just oh, it's good because it's experimental. Yeah. And I noticed that, yes, you're right. It's mostly Pitchfork than Rolling Stone. Yeah. They are like, oh, it's experimental. It's different. So...
1: We're just going to give it like two extra points which on top is of...
0: why we talked about Radiohead and their knack for experimentation. Yeah. Pitchfork almost always give them a perfect score. Oh, yeah, almost for sure. Almost always.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that there's kind of the... I think it's old. Yeah. There's, but there's artists that I think are also like just critic darlings in that sense, where it's like they're at a point where even if someone were, were to put out something that by their standards would probably be subpar, mm-hmm. it's still going to be held in extremely high regard, and I'm 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 already seeing that being formed with uh, artists such as I mean I think Adele's in that category that when she finally does put out this new album, even if it was less than people were expecting, it's still going to be held by critics because um, she's kind of gotten into that. And I think Billie Eilish could actually do that too in a big way. Um, just because... Happier than ever, right? She's uh, coming out with that one, dropping that this year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but I but I think it's going to be a similar story because, you know, it's, it's just the same thing. And her as well, you know, she went on that kind of... Ex- I think she got a lot of points off of that Dreams record for being just different for her and Phineas doing things that were just different because no song sounded like bad guy at the time. Right. No, no songs sounded
0: like, you know what? That's the thing. Yeah. Cause bad guy uh, was huge. And you know what I liked about bad guy? It's funny because I loved the fact that bad guy was different. Yeah. But I hated how bad guy kind of just, it wasn't, it didn't sound that great. No, it, it sounded, it sounded like, it sounded like someone, it was like, oh, wow, the
1: experimentation's great, but I feel like you don't have an idea what you want to do. And I think the actual fidelity of that record, too, was kind of left a lot to be desired, which I know if you were to probably ask Billy and Phineas, they'd say, oh, yeah, we totally meant for it to sound low fidelity. We totally kind of meant for it to, or lower fidelity. Sure, sure. As a, as a form of character, because we want it to sound like, you know, it's authentic and real and producing. Well, there there was that documentary too, where it shows them, you know, that they, that they're very much a, a bedroom studio produce producers in the sense that, and they wanted to, and I'm sure that if you were to ask them about it, they, they would say, yeah, we wanted to keep that integrity and spirit alive. (laughs) Like you were just chilling in our space where we were creating this and have that kind of vibe to it. They, They didn't necessarily want a, a A super sheen studio manufactured sound which I think is the reason why it took off with a lot of people and why you're hearing your Olivia Rodrigo's and many other female artists come out with these very different sounding songs that have that you know different melodic structure and and whatnot because that kind of opened the door for for that kind of thing to be in the pop sphere but you know but like I said I, I noticed that they're they're bringing back they are bringing back rock too like I said with like I said The Will Smith Olivia Rodrigo both of those are very much alt rock in the in the 90s sense of the word that that
0: In the you- 90s sense but rock that's a problem it has not been dead rock was has always been evolving just like pop and rap and hip hop right I mean hip hop has been evolving too right we're not going to have the big papa like style of hip hop because <laughs> Or getting that, jiggy with it. Or Nas. No, that that had an expiration date. Everything has yeah. an expiration oh, date. Yeah. And, and mind you, expiration dates are good. Yeah. And they always like, oh, well, what? You don't want to hear a, a band do this forever? No. No, I we don't. don't. I don't want to hear Nevermind <laughs> over and over. I don't want to hear In Utero in 2013. Oh. It's a good album, but I don't want to hear that yeah. 20 years later. Yeah. It's th- like- yeah.
1: Th- thanks a lot, Puddle of Mud, for that one. <laughs>
0: You no, know, all these bands. You no, know, all these bands in 2010. Oh, we sound like Weezer and Nirvana. You might like us. No, I won't. <laughs> but it's true. It's just so. But but you have to admit that that you have. You have <laughs> they to- do that though. They're like, oh yeah, you'll like us. We sound like Guns N' Roses. I'm like, no, I don't.
1: <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I feel like Guns N' Roses sound was played well, but out. But look what happened with
0: Greta. This is look. Yeah. Greta Van Fleet are not technically bad
1: no they're not they're they good. Are very good they're good they're good musicians they're but, good players but they are creatively boring they're creatively bankrupt is what they are but that's the problem right so <laughs> no
0: i don't want to hear smashing pumpkins now revisited i want to hear nirvana revisited. i don't want to hear guns and roses and and, but, and but, soundgarden but, 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 revisited. In a, but in a way you, you kind of know that that's where it's heading though because but that goes with, to show how lazy people are creatively right because it's lazy
1: it is. It, it definitely is. But You know what
0: I want to listen to? I want to hear someone I've never heard before. I want to hear something that's like, whoa, I've never heard this ever. And this is why bands like, uh, I know they got, you know, no one really listened to them again. I liked Foster the People. Yeah, okay. I liked that they took something, you know, MGMT was doing stuff and then yeah. Foster the People took it and ran with it. And even though yeah. Foster kind of went, kind of, they fell off a little bit. Yeah, they fell off. They did some cool stuff. Even uh, Twenty One Pilots. You know, I'm not huge on everything they did, but Trench was a good album. First of all, no,
1: no, Trench is the, Trench was the good album. Trench They're,
0: is their best. The
1: album that they put out recently. Oh, ugh. I see. Yeah, ooh, I see. And uh... yeah, ooh no, let that's that's okay. that's ooh no, De- <laughs> definitely definitely not. But 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 I can't argue with you on Trench. Trench. Oh, so good. Trench was even way better than Blurry Face. I know Blurryface put them. Oh, I was, I've been telling people that for years. I, I, know. Like, I, like, I know. I was. I know that. I know that blurry face put them on the map, but it wasn't a good album. There was good songs on yeah, it. Yeah, but that's.
0: But that's what I've been telling people. There, there was different songs between but... good songs on an album and a good album. There is a difference, and mind you, a good album doesn't necessarily mean that it has all the best songs. Yeah, dude. It's an album. The Strokes. I'm going to say it right now. They're not good albums. <laughs> They're not good albums. Yeah. No. Before you come at me, I love the Strokes, but they've yeah. never been good.
1: At albums and there's some bands that are not good at albums but they're just better at singles yeah no J- no julian's good with singles i don't think yeah i don't think he's been really an album guy and
0: either. that's okay <laughs> it's fine it's it's, yeah. it's it's like it's like a sin to say it like no right. it's it's just some artists are just much better yeah in the single space and i think it's fine but i really admire a, an artist that is good with albums because like i think kendrick's really good at albums too. oh kendrick's fantastic with albums. yeah so kendrick mind you I know we're talking about Kanye again, but love him or hate him, he's, Kanye's
1: Kanye's good with albums too. He's good with yep. albums. Yep, he's yep.
0: And so far, Billy has shown not that yet, but she's coming with her sophomore release, so we'll we'll find out. But but so far, does it make sense?
1: Yeah, it, but yeah, yeah, I, I do get what you're saying because B- Billy may be better with albums than say somebody like Ariana. Right. So Ariana, would you say, is more of a singles yeah, person? Ariana's yeah. Ariana is definitely a singles that, person. That's okay. Now, now some people are going to really crap on me hard for that, too. They say, what about <laughs> Thank You, Next? And You're like, thank you. More like, thank you, Next album. That's what's going to be me. I'm going to move <laughs> on to the next
0: What if that song. was like a, uh, not a parody album, but what if it was like a tribute album, Thank You, Next album?
1: Right. And don't get me wrong. There were, once again, like we've said before, there were great songs on that record i just don't think cohesively as the album it was all that beatles are a rarity where they were both a singles
0: album uh singles artist and an album artist but that was I but, but I, I think they're more of an i think i think I the think beatles are more of an album artist
1: i def well yeah especially hands down especially after they stopped touring they became album artists yeah because that's the thing they were not album artists until they stopped touring when right. they, when they made that decision to not tour their music anymore and to just work in the studio and just try to make the best music that they could. Mm-hmm. They obviously had the budget because bu- budget was not a concern. That was when they became album artists. Like Rubber Soul On was kind of like that right. album. Which, well, actually, Rubber Soul made... Yeah, because their first albums were... Yeah. Well, cause, well okay. Because either it was... Well, it was music of the time. So it was either mm-hmm. taking pre-existing blues music and just repurposing it and And it shows and vanilla vanilla (laughs) vanilla and it shows blues music with vanilla (laughs) or the originals that they did write were just kind of derivative of a lot of those aforementioned artists and so that was the thing really the actually one of the big songs that turned them was yesterday kind of turned them more into that that kind of that kind of put them on a map in a little bit of a different light as like okay like this is this is a little bit this is a different level with the strings and the subject matter and and all that but really rubber soul on was kind of that that moment and that's probably why when we talk about the beatles as much as i love abbey road as much as i love mm-hmm. sgt pepper's revolver is kind of hit and miss with me there's some great songs off revolver but i'm not As big into Revolver as a lot of Beatles heads are. I have to give them credit for uh, the album that I always mention is Rubber Soul. Just because there's just a great combination
0: of songs. When a band gets as big as the Beatles, which no band obviously has gotten as big as the Beatles. But mind you, if and when a band does get as big as the Beatles, there's always that pressure that their catalog has to be perfect and you can't touch that.
1: Right. We know that's not the case. Well, I mean, because... There's still people. Yeah, because with Rubber Soul, that's kind of what opened the door for Pet Sounds and that right. era of the Beach Boys, which I thought that stuff with with Brian Wilson was great. And unfortunately, it kind of got cut short because of stuff, personal drama and all yeah. that, Um, which I would love to see what would have been the Smile album. I mean, I know they've released sessions of it. I feel it.
0: like Pet Sounds would be something that really influenced your music just by like how you...
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Pet Sounds is great. Well, Pet Sounds is great. It had because it did completely go in a different. Well, actually, it went in a completely different direction, especially for the Beach Boys. But also, they it had a lot of elements going, but it it somehow it worked. I think it's probably just because Brian Wilson is such a good songwriter and such a good arranger. Mm -hmm. I want to say that the way that he laid the instruments and the music was actually almost better than the actual lyrics themselves. I mean, the lyrics were still good. It wasn't like they weren't, it's like, it's not like God only knows has bad lyrics. Of course it has fantastic lyrics, but so much of what I think made pet sounds great was that emphasis on like the soundscape of thing of kind of bringing you, would you say Michael Jackson's more of a singles artist? He was better, better at the singles. Ooh. Would you say? Well, that's a weird one because like I, like I said before, with Thriller, I felt like it was just a bunch of singles back-to-back. Okay, but, I felt like with Bad, it was a bunch of singles back-to-back. But it
0: turned into that at least, but do you feel like Off the Wall and, bef- you
1: know... Off the Wall was kind of like an album album I, yeah. and, and that cohesiveness. But I think that had more to do with the fact that that was basically the last... One of the last big... Wasn't that one of like the last big disco records to, Absolutely. to come out? Was
0: it from 79 or 78? 79. Yeah,
1: that was when Chic were kind of really, you know, all those...
0: The late 70s disco is like the golden age of disco. Yeah, but I, wa-
1: I want to say that Off the Wall kind of put like a footnote on that. Yeah, exactly. And then by the 80s, it
0: turned into yeah. the whole Madonna kind of type sound.
1: Yeah. and it, So basically, I felt like Michael and, and Quincy wanted, mm-hmm. to, wanted to make like just the best disco record they could make. Yeah. Because, they, because I think that, I mean, I, I don't know him personally. So unless I ask, well, hopefully one day we'll get an interview with Quincy mm-hmm. Jones before he passes on. That'd be fantastic. That would be the best podcast. That would be the best day of your life. That would be the best podcast. <laughs> that would be the best podcast of all time if we could get freaking Quincy Jones on here. That'd be amazing. But uh Pipe Dream, right? That well uh, you never know. You never know. He's he's old, he might he might he might go for it. But <laughs> he he doesn't have anything to prove any, anybody anybody. He doesn't need so, to prove anything. Right. It's so funny. You had to look at those Quincy Jones interviews where he called like Ringo star of the Beatles, like a no good drummer. <laughs> like, <laughs> Apparently Ringo was messing up a part and they brought in like, uh, Ber- they brought in Bernard Purdy to record the part. Oh, shoot. And then Ringo got back in the studio and he's like, Hey, this sounds pretty good. And Quincy Jones <gasps> like, because you didn't play it. You know, it's Bernard. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's it. I think Ringo. No, he's not the most
0: popular Beatle. No, not
1: by, not by a long shot, but
0: I like you Ringo. So I'm going to yeah. say that I, I do like you. So
1: Yeah. I and mean, there are
0: plenty of other people that love you. So. Yeah,
1: there's there's many that quote that he wasn't <laughs> even the best drummer in the Beatles. Uh, I know, I know. They they get he does get he he shouldn't be hated on. Me. No, it's an unnecessary. People money. do it way too much. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I I I am looking forward to hopefully. I know that for a little bit of time here, that there is gonna still be a bit of this yearning for yesteryear. But I I I am in agree agreement with you. I do want to see mm-hmm. if because especially because I think at some point it hasn't hit yet, but I think it's going to hit at At some point it's going to hit that people are, are getting really sick of this. I think at that, I think at that point, right. that's when I'll be looking for somebody to really kind of, that, that'll it's be a torch and just, that'll like, be the opera. Yeah. That'll be the opportunity for an artist to go in and, and drastically shake things up and have a, a sound where, Everybody wants to chase that because... Well, guess
0: what? That sound never stopped. It's always evolving. And it's almost always 99% of the time in the underground. Yeah. If you really want to be an artist that changes things, that changes the world, so to speak, you have to be both well-known, but also you have to be listening to underground artists.
1: Because that's where you're going to get... That's where you're going
0: to get inspiration. You're not going to get inspiration listening to the biggest bands on the planet rehash stuff from 30, 40 years ago.
1: You got to look It's true.
0: And this is why Greta Van Fleet are where they are, because they they have the persona, they have the attitude and energy, but the problem is they listen to a ton of stuff that we've heard a billion times over. Dude, it's <laughs> – I love boomers, but it's boomer music, you it, know? It, oh, it's, Definitely. <laughs>
1: They're, they're, they're it's like, okay
0: if they want that. It's just like, kind of like okay, but that's what you're gonna get.
1: Yeah, it's like they're like they're like check this out. Why check is out everyone this...
0: like above 60, 50?
1: Like yeah, it's like if you want band. that, that's
0: great because yeah. 50 and 60 year old people well, rock. I'm sure it's they're because sick.
1: I'm sure it's because of their like nostalgia and like wanting to be wanting the feeling of being young, listening to Zeppelin or right. Rush or whatever. Um, but, but
0: there are probably only five percent of Gen Zs who are gonna who are gonna feel that way because 95 percent right. of them are be like
1: what what <laughs> right but I think looking beyond I think you gotta look beyond billboard like I think that's the thing that you got to do I think if you want to do I think that's the thing when you find really good music and when you find things that are gonna drastically shake things up um you're gonna look beyond billboard so that's the, the general advice that I have for listeners out there is uh if you're talking about how you're bored of playlists and you're bored of your rotation just look look beyond billboard and just open up. And um, go to,
0: to that go to that weird side of YouTube with like the weird music.
1: Yeah, go yeah, exactly. Seriously. You can, that's <laughs> while great, YouTube is still up. the great exactly <laughs> the great thing about the and, and at least the great thing about the internet right now is that you can basically you can go digitally crate digging through things and that's, forums yeah. So look beyond billboard folks, and with that, well, I have to ask you this one though. What
0: I mean, you, we didn't really finish the Michael Jackson one, but what
1: what what? what, what?
0: Stevie Wonder.
1: Oh, Stevie Wonder's an albums
0: guy. Okay, okay. I I felt Stevie like an Wonder's albums an albums guy. guy. Okay,
1: that's what I felt. I mean, it just so happens that there's great singles off of those Stevie albums. Okay, so so those ones who where they tick both boxes, they
0: are album people. It also just turns out that their songs are so good that they are also secondarily
1: singles people, but they are primarily probably an albums artist. Yeah, because that does make sense. Yeah, because you listen to a record like Intervisions and Song, listening to a record like Intervisions or Songs. In the key of life is different than listening to an album like Thriller. Where Thriller was just like, okay, we have all these great standalone songs. Let's just put them on a convenient package for people to listen to. I
0: think some are really good with um, albums, but they're not good with single songs. Yeah. I think... Again, I know we're talking about it, but I think Radiohead's one of those. Yeah. They're good at albums, but I don't think they're really good with singles. But Stevie's definitely an albums guy, no question. Gotcha.
1: Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. And All with right. that, that's gonna be a wrap on the Work Tape podcast. Um once again, I'm Mitchell Palmer, Isaac Grover. What up? WorkTape. Go. Oh. Peace.